On episode 428 of Nintendo Switchcraft, it's going to be a little different. Usually you get Nintendo news on Saturdays. You get, um, you know, your feedback for the show, but not today. Today I went to uh, Retro Game Con and I had an absolute blast. I ended up picking up some stuff. I ended up meeting some people and overall it was really fun. So let's talk about what I was able to find today. But actually, before we get started... Uh, Switchcraft is normally brought to you live every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. Uh, you can tune in to that live show at twitch.tv slash runjumpstomp. And this episode is made possible by patrons like Eddie333. You can get Switchcraft and my other content ad-free for as little as a dollar by joining the Patreon over at patreon.com slash runjumpstomp. And you can leave a voicemail for the show by heading on over to runjumpstomp.com slash voicemail from any device. And I may even play it on the show. All right, let's talk about Retro Game Con. If you're wondering, why does this episode sound weird? It's because I am not in my studio. I am recording this from my phone. Uh, just had uh, an absolute blast at Retro Game Con. And I, I did interview a couple of people. That's really what the bulk of the show is going to be today. But let me talk about the things, the uh, the cool whiz-bang uh, uh, retro stuff that I that I not required that I acquired uh the first of which I was very happy to come across is a link to the past on the Super Famicom so a Super Famicom cartridge of a link to the past it it looks awesome I'm going to take a picture of uh I actually took a few pictures today uh, I'll post those to Instagram. I'll probably take some more pictures tomorrow. If you don't follow me on Instagram, I am run underscore jump underscore stomp. Some jerk st uh, stole run jump stomp. So that's uh, that's we're just going to have to deal with that. I'll, I'll have to get over it and be okay. Uh, but uh, I got the Super Famicom version of A Link to the Past, one of my favorite games of all time. And, you know, I already have a lot of the American stuff. I don't have, actually, I don't have any copy of uh, A Link to the Past uh, hardware copy anymore. I, I owned it at some point, but I, I don't have it anymore. I don't know what happened to it, but uh, I was very excited to, to find this. Uh, I also, speaking of Zelda and Japan, I was able to find a Japanese copy uh, for the Japanese N64, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. I do have to say that I like the American version uh, better, um, just like the cover art. Uh, this one is, is so generic looking. I almost wasn't sure what I was looking at. So I had to, I had to go online and see what is, what, what Zelda game is this? I also saw some weird Zelda stuff that was uh, ROM hacks and stuff that people were selling on actual cartridges, which was kind of cool, but uh, not something that I'm interested in. I, I prefer to collect the old actual, uh, th like real stuff, not uh, not the ROM hacked stuff. But uh, I, I was really happy to get those two things. I was able to talk the guy down to 15 bucks for the pair, which was awesome. Uh, I, I get the feeling that not very many people went there looking for Japanese stuff. And while I didn't specifically set out for it, when I saw, I saw, uh, I think it was some Japanese baseball game for the Super Famicom 
And so I said, well, what other Japanese stuff do you do you have? And he reached into a box and pulled these out, and I was like, that's what I want. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Uh, I also found a uh, Mattel Electronics football game, which I don't think I'm going to keep. I think I'm going to give to a friend, a, a buddy of mine. He's not really a gamer, but he, he, he and I were having a conversation uh, about old devices because he knows that I collect old uh, consoles and stuff. And uh, when, when, when we were having this conversation, he was, he mentioned that he had a lot of hours on Mattel football and we looked it up online to see what exactly is it that he looked, that it looks like. And I was like, oh yeah, I remember playing that when I was a kid. It's this weird thing where you have like little red dots uh, as you try and move the football from one side of the screen to the other. Now, uh, this I got for four bucks. It's really, really cheap. I have no idea if it works, but even if it doesn't work, it's not like anybody's going to play this. Uh, but even if it doesn't work, it looks really cool. Uh, again, I will post a picture of it so you can see what it looks like. It's got uh, apparently the uh, the original owner or the, one of the original owner's name is Pete uh, because Pete scratched his name into the back of it so that people would not see uh, football instructions. The computer's on defense. You control the running back. Slide off switch to Pro 1, Pro 2 for advanced players. Press the SC key for home and visitor scores and time remaining. It's hilarious. It's it's very cool. I will make sure that you get pictures of this uh, very, very cool thing. I remember playing this a little bit when I was a kid, but again, I was never really into football, so I didn't hold my attention nearly as much as the real video games that, uh, that I had on the Atari and the Nintendo and stuff like that. But that's my haul for today from uh, Retro Games Con. I am heading back tomorrow. Um, maybe I will be able to interview, um, and now, now I've forgotten her name, Stephanie, uh, Stephanie, what's her name? Stephanie, uh, not Stephanie. It's not Stephanie at, at all. Maybe I will be able to interview Patricia Somerset, uh, who I met today, uh, just for a couple of minutes. I didn't want to take up a bunch of her time cause I wasn't going to pay for a selfie or anything. Uh, but I did talk to her, uh, manager. And I said, is it possible for me to uh, get an interview with her because I'm a podcaster? And he said, maybe uh, uh, he gave me uh, his card and uh, took my card and I'm going to send them an email uh, as soon as I get home. Uh, But that uh, if you're curious, who is Patricia Somerset? Well, first off, she's not Stephanie, and I don't know why I said Stephanie. Probably because Somerset starts with an S, so for some reason that was in my head. But Patricia Somerset is the voice of Zelda in Breath of the Wild, and uh, so I got to meet her today, which was kind of cool. I also met Erica Luttrell, who voices a bunch of stuff, one of which is um, Bangalore in Apex Legends, which was kind of neat to meet her. Uh, she was really, really nice. I had I, I had a little bit more of a longer conversation with her because I, when I first saw her, I knew that my son <clears throat> wanted to uh, meet her and because she also does a character named Sapphire on... Steven Universe is a show that my son watches. And so he, he he specifically had asked me if she would be there the next day. And um, 
so I, I when when I was walking by, she didn't have anybody talking to her, and I said, "Hey, are you going to be here tomorrow? Tomorrow, my son, I'm bringing my son, and uh, uh, he's a fan." And she said, "Yes, I will." And then later on that day, I happen to be standing nearby, and we made eye contact. And she looks at me. She goes, "Tomorrow, right?" And I said, "Yes." And I was very, very impressed that she that she remembered me from that tiny little snippet. And then we kind of chatted for a little bit. But she was super, super nice. And Patricia seemed really nice as well. But I didn't get a chance to really talk to her as much. So hopefully. I'll be able to interview her. And you know what? Maybe it won't happen tomorrow, but maybe it'll happen at some point in the future. I now know how to get a hold of uh, her booking agent. And uh, we'll see if I can uh, talk to her in the future. I also spoke to a couple of people today that may or may not end up on one or more of my podcasts in the future. But I also interviewed a couple of game designers today. Uh, one of the, which made an old Intellivision game called FUBAR, which, uh, you know, I'll let them talk about that when you hear the interview in just a few minutes. And the other is a Nintendo Switch game called Sydney Hunter and something in the Mayan Adventures. I can't remember the, the subtitle. I don't have it in front of me. But overall, Actually, do I have it in front of me? I'm grabbing all of the business cards that people handed me today because I handed out my business cards, hoping hoping to, to hear back from people, and I'm not finding it on here anywhere. Uh, nope, I don't. I did. I must not have gotten a business card from him. Uh, but anyway, Sydney Hunter is this is cool Metroidvania style game. But uh, those interviews are going to come up after the ad break. Um, I, I don't know how the audio sounds yet because I have not gotten, I haven't sat down to try and edit the audio when I'm on the show floor. Uh, th- this new microphone is still a work in progress and I'm not sure like the, like with my high LPR 40, which I've been using for years now. I have pretty decent mic technique. I know the distance that I need to be away in order to have it sound good. I know the volume level that I have to speak at. This is my first time using this particular microphone, my Shure MV88, which just plugs into the bottom of my phone. Um, this is the first time that I've used this in a, a an environment that is very, very loud. And I wasn't sure... like myself and the people who I was talking to, we had to speak pretty loud to hear each other. And I'm, I'm guessing, I'm guessing, this is just a guess, but I'm guessing that we were probably overall, probably too loud. And so there might be some clipping. So I'm going to try and clean up the audio as good as I can. And in the future, uh, now that I'm, you know, now that I'll have more experience with this microphone and uh, we, we should hopefully have better audio quality in the future. But uh, anyway, thank you for listening. Um, without further ado, we're going to take an ad break and then you can hear all about FUBAR and Sydney Hunter that I got to talk to their the developers of those games at Retro Games Con. I know it's not very Nintendo related, but it's still really cool. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, 
you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. All right, I'm here with John, uh, project lead on Sydney Hunter and the Curse of the Mayan. And uh, I, was, I was just wandering through Retro Game Con, and I saw it, and uh, it immediately called to me. So I, I asked him if he could talk to me a little bit about it. Hey, John, how's it going? Good. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm having a blast here at Retro Game Con. So uh, tell me about this game uh, on the Nintendo Switch. Yeah, it's called Sydney Hunter and the Curse of the Mayan. The best way to explain it's our love letter to the retro games. We grew up playing, you know, Mario and Zelda, Metroid, Castlevania, and we wanted to come to like with a game that kind of had a lot of elements of games we grew up playing. And this is the game we came up with. And it's it, describe its art style. It's an eight-bit action platformer, so it's all with a Mayan backdrop, right? So uh, instead of fighting bosses, you fight Mayan gods. There's a uh, Muzan Cab is the Mayan god of bees. So for example, it's all done in a Mega Man style boss battle, which is cool. So if you've played Mega Man before, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners have, you'll, you'll say, hey, that kind of looks like Mega Man, which was intentional. Uh, so uh, we were, I was just playing just a couple of minutes of it, and you, you pointed out that you have a couple of different weapons, and you use different weapons depending on the environment that you're in. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so you start off with a whip. Uh, later on, you get a spear, and you also get a boomerang. So each weapon has their, their strengths and weaknesses, right? So the spear, for example, is the only weapon you can use underwater because it doesn't make sense to use a boomerang or a whip underwater. Um, so we came up with a spear. Uh, and also it's a long-range weapon. The boomerang is the longest-range weapon, but you're also exposed for that second or two while it's out coming back to you. Um, so you find throughout the, uh, the game, there are 12 relics in the game, and each relic has an upgrade and ability as well that you can unlock. How long was this in uh, development for? We were, we were working on it since 2014, so it oh. took about five years to release. Initially, it was actually was going to be an NES game. So what Collector Vision Games is known for is homebrew games, right? We do games for ColecoVision, Nintendo, Super Nintendo, and it just evolved, and this is our first game on modern platforms. What, what made you decide to bring it to Nintendo Switch? Well, initially, it was supposed to come out for the Wii U. <laughs> That's how long we've <laughs> So we do have a Wii U dev, and we probably will still release on the Wii U, the deathbed of the Wii U. But um, once the Switch came out, we saw this is going to be a perfect game for that platform. You see a lot of retro games coming out for the Switch, and uh, it's a great platform for it. So, uh, all right, this people keeps talking over us, and I wish they would stop, but that's okay. Um, so the, the Switch has a lot of very specific features. Are there any of those features that you specifically, like, did you do anything in this game to take advantage of, like, uh, multiplayer stuff because the Switch is so focused on that? Uh, no, the game's single player and there's no touchscreen ability or anything like that. It's just we want to keep it as simple as like retro as possible. So the game I call it's retro hard, right? It's, it's difficult but not cheap. So that's what we're kind of shooting for. Excellent. And uh, when when is this out already? Yeah, it came out September 12th. So it's been out for a month and a half. So it's available on the eShop right now on Switch. It's also uh, available on Steam. And then early next year, first quarter, we're going to release on Xbox One, PS4. We're just waiting for all the big release games coming out now in the holidays. We're waiting for that big rush. Gotcha. And uh, so how much is it? 
Right now, it's $20, a 1999. However, we're doing a 50% sale right now. So up until November 10th. I'm not sure when this is coming out. It'll come out today. Oh, awesome. So you have until November 10th to get $10, 999 Very cool. Is there anything about this game that, like, what's the one thing that you want everyone to take away from, from hearing this? We did a lot of research on the Maya culture. So you'll see a lot of the pixelated art here is actually Mayan art that we researched. The Mayan gods, you fire actual Mayan gods. So we're really proud of the fact that if you play this game, it's actually, the story itself is loosely based on a Maya story, which is really cool too. So very proud of the fact that it, it's, it's got a unique story. The controls are very tight and I love the music. Did, did you come at this from that perspective because you were already really interested in that stuff? Or was it something where you were like, well, we just need something, and then you found, oh, this is really interesting. Yeah. Let's talk about that. So you're going to laugh. When we initially started this game, it was a Montezuma's Revenge clone. I don't know if you played Montezuma's Revenge. I'm aware of it, but I don't okay. think I played it. Okay. So it was supposed to be for the NES. It evolved, and we're like, we really like that theme, the Montezuma's Revenge theme. And so we kind of started doing a lot of research on Maya. And we found out that Maya got a, there's not many games about the Maya right now. There's a lot of cool things you can do with it. Uh, in fact, Netflix just announced they're doing a whole story on the Maya coming up soon, which is kind of cool. So, um, but yeah, it, it, we kind of we made the mistake of starting with the game first and then developing the story as it went along. That's why it took so long. We kept adding to it. <laughs> so you said it's supposed to be a, an NES game. Is there go, is there a physical cartridge that you can buy for an old school NES? So we have uh, Sydney Hunter and the Caverns of Death, which is a different game. And we're working on that for the NES. We're actually here. We have also that same game for the Super Nintendo. That game's out already. Oh, okay. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, different, same character, completely different game, though. Yeah. That makes, a lot, that makes a lot of sense. Awesome. Thank you so much for yeah, talking thanks, to me. I appreciate having me. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Uh, this is not necessarily Nintendo-related, but it's incredibly cool. And as uh, fans of Splatoon, I bet you that this will be interesting to you. I'm here with Michael Hayes, the creator of a game for... Of all things, the Intellivision, uh, that game is called FUBAR. Michael, thank you for being on the show. Thank you. So tell people about FUBAR. Well, I wrote FUBAR uh, 15 years ago originally as a prototype, and now um, I finally have it released here. But the idea was uh, there was a game for the old Intellivision called Snafu, and I was thinking of a spiritual successor to Snafu originally. So I came up with this idea where everybody was going to be going around painting on a canvas, and I just thought, hey... Uh, there was this computer expansion module that could have taken advantage of four-player capabilities, but no game was ever made to do that. So FUBAR would have been the first release game ever to have four-player capability. So one person did already release another homebrew game that does have four-player, but still, I'm glad it's finally out there. It's a very unique game. This is unique across any platform, not just, uh, not just in television or anything, but there's no game like this. So, uh, okay, it reminds me of Splatoon. Now, you said, what year did you say it came out? Well, I well, it just came out. This is a brand new release. It was just released two weeks ago at PRGE. But well, what, what, when did you start working on it, I mean? Oh, yes. I wrote the uh, prototype back in 2004, back in February. I just took a week off and just blitzed this in my lab, as I called it then. <laughs> mm. So, uh, all right, why the Intellivision? Of all the things that you could have released this game on, why did you decide to put it out on the Intellivision? Oh, yes, absolutely. Well, here's the thing. Intellivision was my first love, honestly. I grew up with the Intellivision. My parents bought one in 1981. We had Astro Smash, Space Battle, and that was it. That was just like I planted my flag at a young age and said, I don't care if it's viable, this, you know, this is what I'm going to be working on. And now here, 
you know, in retrospect, now a year from now, there's going to be a new Intellivision console called the Amico yeah. that's going to come out. So when it does, I'm thinking there's going to be this huge spike of interest in Intellivision games. So why now is because I think of myself as getting ahead of the curve. Have you reached out to in, to uh, the, the, Tommy Tallarico and the people who are working on the Amico uh, to see if you can bring FUBAR to the Intellivision Amico? Not specifically, but I know he knows about it. So I definitely will as soon as I'm watching uh, right now to see when there's going to be an Amico development thread or something coming out because there's supposed to be, at some point, there's going to be a dev kit released for homebrewers. So as soon as it gets released, I'm ready to just take advantage of it. So, okay, uh, writing for the Intellivision, this is incredibly old hardware. What kind of problems did you run into when making this particular game? Well, uh, the first thing was memory constraints. Um, because of the very limited amount of RAM available, in the prototype, I can only have four AIs. And even then, it took a lot of ingenuity just to be able to pull that off. Um, that was the first thing. Now, the second thing was, of course, system speed. Um, because the Intellivision doesn't have a math coprocessor built in, if you wanted to do, say, multiply or divide instructions, that slowed the game down considerably. So one of the things in the prototype was if you had more than one AI player active at the same time, you would start to notice slowdown. Um, here now, because of the uh, newer hardware that's built into the cartridges, there's a real-time multiply-divide instructions, and now even with eight AIs active, the game runs full speed. So you augmented the abilities of the Intellivision in your cartridge itself? Right, yeah. Somebody had come up with newer hardware, and then I just... Uh, of course, took advantage of it with uh, additional RAM, which is why there's now eight AIs, and also uh, it runs full speed. And then also, it now has EEPROM, which means that you can uh, you can now save things like high scores or whatever. So one of the problems in the old prototype was because there was just so much customization and so much configuration. After the game was over, that was it. You had to put everything back in again if you wanted to play it with the same settings. Now you can save it to any of eight save files, and then you can just hop right back into the same game you had before. So the so the cartridge has like a battery in it, like the old NES games? Well, it's it's not a battery, it's EEPROM. Yeah, in lieu of EEPROM back in the 80s, of course, Nintendo games like you know Legend of Zelda, Dragon Warrior, had to have a CMOS battery in it to keep uh, the data fresh in the volatile RAM when it didn't have power. Now, you and I were talking just a little bit before I decided to turn on my microphone, yep. and I'm not sure, after the, I turned on the microphone, did we describe what exactly it is that we're looking at here? Uh, we may or may not have, but yeah, I'll explain the gameplay. So you can have up to seven teams, and you can set everybody on different teams or on, on, or on team play or whatever it is, but what's happening is everybody is painting all over this canvas in any of seven different colors, depending on your team. And then also you can have the canvas littered with what I call rubber stoppers that get in the way. But the whole idea is everybody is competing to get the most of their paint onto the canvas before time runs out. And then depending on what the game mode is you set it to, you get everybody gets awarded points based on their performance. So it could be the percentage of the canvas, or it could be maybe the one team that does the best gets 100 points, or the one team that does the worst gets eliminated. So there's a lot of different uh, ways to play. 
And you said that there's rubber stamps that you can put down. Like, you put those wherever you want the player, or do you have a set of uh, levels that are you get to pick from? Yep. Well, the rubber stopper placement is randomized, but one of the game settings is you can set, it's called density, and you can set a, it's a percentage value. It can be anywhere from 0 to 99. So 0, there's no stoppers at all. But the higher it goes, then it's a based on a percentage probability, uh, decides, shall I put a stopper here, yes or no? So then you could set it to, say, 99, crank it all the way up, and you're probably going to be looking at 32 stoppers on the canvas, which then just gets in the way. This is really, really awesome. I'm impressed. Where can people find out more uh, more about FUBAR? Yep. Well, my personal website is midnightblueinternational.com, and then also the um, publisher is intelligionrevolution.com for when it becomes available. So either of those two websites, you'll find out the most about it. And when it comes out, how much is it going to cost? It's going to be $65. Unfortunately, in television games, are sold more or less at cost. But, uh, you know, obviously we keep working on uh, whatever we can do to bring the cost down with the hardware or whatever it is. I know Atari games tend to be a bit less. But we're doing what we can to get the cost down. Thank you so much for being on the show. Absolutely. Thank you very much.